Welcome to the Wealthy Coach Podcast, where I teach you how to become wealthy AF in your business, your mindset, your coaching, and your life. I'm your host, Kendra Perry. I am a former functional health coach turned online business mentor for health coaches, practitioners, and professionals. I'm here to help you grow the online business of your dreams by teaching you the strategy, the tech, and by helping you cultivate the mindset you need to be a badass health entrepreneur. I'm blunt, I'm to the point, and I'll probably drop an F-bomb or two, so fasten your seatbelts and get ready to become wealthy AF. Hey there, my friend. Welcome back to the Wealthy Coach Podcast. I'm Kendra, excited to be here. And I'm just sitting here sipping on chalk. Mm -hmm. I'm sipping on chalk. Well, I'm not actually sure if it's chalk, but it tastes like chalk. So you probably don't care. But in case you do, I'm doing an H. pylori detox protocol right now. I've talked about this a little bit on my Instagram stories, but I have this really stubborn case of H. pylori. H. pylori, unfortunately, has become a pretty resistant and stubborn bug in the past few years. When I got into functional health coaching in 2013, it was actually pretty easy to get rid of. I remember addressing it with multiple clients and we'd put them on a 60-day protocol. For the most part, it would go away. But in recent years, it's adapted, it can shape shift, it does all these crazy things. And it's actually really perplexing, the functional health industry. And it's perplexing me because <laughs> I've done so many protocols. So I've decided that this is the protocol that I am going to get rid of it. So I'm literally throwing this carpet bomb at it. So I'm doing this five-day protocol from this company that involves basically I fast until noon at 8 a.m. I drink this like chalky-like substance. I sip on it for an hour. Then I take a couple of capsules with a little bit of bread. And then I wrote, go back to the chalk stuff and then back to the capsules. And then at noon, I'm allowed to start eating, but I'm supposed to avoid meat, which is really sad because like meat is life for me. You know, I eat a very high protein diet. That's how I feel my best. And I'm supposed to eat light, which is also difficult for me because I like to eat. And also I'm very active. I do a lot of activities. So I tend to eat a decent amount of food. So anyways, it's only five days. And then after the five days, I'm going to do a 60-day protocol with a bunch of other things like mastic gum and I'm doing some cell core stuff and I'm just really hitting it with absolutely everything possible. I have spent a lot of time in PubMed and I've looked at all the different ways that all the different studies that have shown certain alternative therapies to help. And I'm literally doing everything. I just spent like a thousand dollars in all these supplements, but I really want to get rid of it because I believe it's affecting my thyroid. I believe it's affecting my metabolism. And I believe it's obviously affecting my gut health. And my gut health has never been fantastic. I mean, unfortunately, I'm a child of the 80s and I was put on all kinds of antibiotics. I used to drink them like juice, unfortunately. So I wonder if my gut will ever be fully healed. But H. pylori is a big thing. And so I really want to get rid of it. So that's what I'm doing right now. I have a little bit of a headache. I'm not feeling super great on this protocol, which I'm actually taking as a good thing because I'm hoping that it means it's doing something. So it's great that I get to hang out with you on this podcast because otherwise I'd just be like cranky watching some reality dating show. So this is fun for me and it's distracting me. So anyways, enough about me and my weird gut. Let's dive into today's topic. So today I want to talk a little bit about discomfort. Okay. So the topic or the title of this episode is what traveling in avalanche terrain has taught me about business because there's actually a really cool connection here. Now, when I say traveling in avalanche terrain, I do this 
by skiing. Okay. And so you may or may not have heard of backcountry skiing. It's also called ski touring. But essentially what this is, is we put these things, we stick these things with glue. They have glue on them and they're called skins. And we put them on the bottom of our skis and they have these threads and they sort of run against the snow and they give you grip. And what these basically originated from was actual skins, like actual fur from animals. I don't know which animals specifically, but they would literally take the fur or the skin of animals and you'd have the fur and the furs or the hairs travel in one direction. And when you put them opposite up against the snow, I don't know if this is making sense, it gives you grip. So obviously we're not using animal fur. It's some sort of synthetic fiber and glue and whatever, but we put them on the bottom of our skis and we have these special bindings that allow our heels to release. And then we're actually able to hike up. So we hike up to the top of a mountain and then we ski down. And the reason why we do this is because it allows us to get off the ski resort, right? I love being in the mountains. There's nothing more than I love kind of being alone in the mountains, maybe just a couple friends. I love that feeling of feeling very insignificant in this huge world. It really helps me feel like my problems don't matter and that I should just be happy and grateful for what I have. And obviously the skiing is amazing because if you go to the ski resort, there's lots of people and on a powder day, eat out really quickly. But in the backcountry, you can always get these amazing powder terms. You just have to work for it, right? And obviously you got to like the hike because you were hiking way more than you're skiing. But I'm sort of there for like the adventure and the experience and the connection because I really connect deeply with friends when I'm doing things like this. This is actually how I hang out with people. I'm not really one to go for coffee. We usually do things outdoors like this, okay? And when we're out there, we carry a bunch of safety gear. So we carry three main pieces of safety gear. One is called a beacon or a transceiver. And this is like this device that we wear on us that has a signal. And there is, when we're wearing it, it has a signal on the device. But when we switch it to send mode, what happens is we can actually pull up the signal of someone else's transceiver. So let's say, for example, me and Ryan, my partner, were skiing. And let's say an avalanche comes and he gets buried. I can switch my beacon into send mode and I can actually pick up his beacon and it will make little sounds. It has a little arrow on the screen and it'll bring me to where he is buried in the snow. So it's a safety thing in case we get buried. And then we also carry a shovel because we might have to dig someone out. And then we also carry something called a probe, which is like a long sort of metal stick that folds up that allows us to find the person because they might be buried maybe a couple feet under the snow. And so that allows us to find them so that we know where to dig because obviously digging requires a lot of energy. And I know that sounds really scary, but what I can tell you is I started teetering when I was 21 years old. I'm now 38 and I've actually never had to dig anyone out. Does it happen? Yes. Do I know people who've been buried? Yes, I do. I live in a really small community. We're a ski community. So these things do happen. And it's always a risk, but we obviously want to be prepared. So I'm very grateful that I've never had to use it. I've never been caught in an avalanche personally, but it does happen because just based on how the snow builds up, sometimes when you ski, it can trigger an instability in the snowpack and then that will actually slide, right? And we just want to make sure we're prepared in the event that happens, right? But I know it sounds crazy, but we have this great ability in backcountry to manage risk, right? Certain choices are more risky than others. And so we have access to an app, avalanche.ca. And on there, we can actually get the snow report or the avalanche report. And what they do, there are scientists who do these. They report every day and they look at all the 
recent weather, what's been happening, and they basically give you a rating. So it can be low, it can be moderate, it can be considerable, it can be high, right? Now, what's always safe, or for the most part, always safe in backcountry skiing is tree skiing, because when there's trees on the slope, it doesn't allow slow to sort of propagate, right? When you think of like where is always a riskier place for avalanches are the big open slopes where there's no trees because the whole thing can avalanche and the bigger the avalanche, the less chances you have of surviving. Whereas in the trees, you might get these little pockets that pop out, but you don't get like this whole slope avalanching. So really, when we go out there, we take into consideration the weather that has just happened, the different instabilities in the snowpack. For example, let's say it rained and then it got cold. What we know is that there's this really hard layer in the snowpack, kind of like a skating rink. And then if there's new snow on top of that, that will actually be a weak layer, right? That's a surface for snow to slide. So we can kind of look back at the weather. We kind of take mental notes so we can say, okay, yesterday this happened. And so this might be a risk. And then we can look at the avalanche report and then we can make use that to make conservative train choices. Now, everyone has different risk tolerances. I have certain friends who I don't do backcountry skiing with because they have a higher risk tolerance and I'm not into that. The older I get, the more conservative I am. And honestly, at this point in my life, I don't ski open stuff that often because I just like to feel safe. I like to be comfortable and I don't want to risk my life because I want to be able to ski tomorrow. Okay. Now, what does this have to do with business? Okay. Now, I believe this has really served me because I come from a bit of a crazy family. My father is very much an outdoors enthusiast. He's a crazy skier. He used to be a rock climber. So from a very young age, I was pushed into competitive sports like skiing, like taekwondo, like soccer. And I was really pushed to be outside my comfort level my entire life, right? And so doing something like backcountry skiing, it was sort of a natural transition for me in my 20s when I moved out West because I'd already been doing a lot of things that required risk, right? And so I have really become comfortable with discomfort, okay? And this has really served me in business because business requires sitting in your discomfort, making decisions, and managing risk, okay? Because there's always going to be risk. In backcountry skiing, even if I make the most conservative train choice, there's still a risk, right? And not even regards to avalanche. It could be that I go into a tree well, which is, if you can imagine trees, the snow comes down and it builds everywhere around, but under the tree, the snow doesn't build up as well. So you get these big holes. And if you go into one of those, people sometimes suffocate in those, right? And then I could injure myself or I could hit a tree and die from trauma, right? Like there are always risks. Like backcountry skiing is inherently dangerous and you can never reduce all the risks. But the same thing is true for your life, right? We take a risk every day when we step outside our house, right? Just there's a risk when we drive our cars on the highway. I actually think people think I'm crazy for backcountry skiing, but I actually think driving is way riskier because you're dealing with things that are out of your control, like other drivers who are texting and on TikTok while they're driving, right? Anyway, so life is inherently risky and business is inherently risky and you cannot build a business inside your comfort zone. So I believe this really served me in building my business because I was used to being uncomfortable and I just did it and I kind of pursued it, even though a lot of what I was doing didn't feel good. I was scared. I was afraid of judgment. I was afraid of saying the wrong thing. I was afraid of trolls. I had a lot of fear. But because I've learned how to manage my fear and manage risk, I was able to push through. And I think this is a really big thing that has served me in my business. Now, you might not want to do backcountry skiing, but I think what really can serve new business owners 
and this is just an opinion, take it or leave it, is to actually start to do things, maybe even outside of business that are outside our comfort zone. Because when we are just living inside our comfort zone, it doesn't serve us in terms of health, right? Health-wise, just being comfortable all the time doesn't serve us, but it doesn't serve us in satisfaction or building an amazing life. Because building something that is outside of the status quo, that is outside of the norm, requires stepping outside your comfort zone. So I'll use sort of a health example here that probably resonate with you. So there's something called hermetic stress. If you don't know what hermetic stress is, it just means like good stressors, right? We live in temperature controlled environments, right? We walk on sidewalks. We don't want to be too cold. We don't want to be too hot. We want our latte just right. These things keep us comfortable, but it actually makes us weak health-wise because it doesn't build resilience. What builds resilience is being exposed to stress. So stress that doesn't kill you, stress that doesn't like stress you out too much, but stresses and then helps you build stronger and builds resilience. So exercise, really good example of a hermetic stressor, right? When we are exercising, say if we're lifting weights, we're actually tearing muscle fibers. But what allows us to build the muscle is the tearing of the muscle and then the rebuilding. Because then what it does is it says, hmm, for the level of activity I'm doing, that wasn't strong enough. So I'm going to build back a bit stronger, right? So exercise is a hermetic stress. And you can imagine if you never exercise, that would be really bad for your body. Other examples of hermetic stressors are cold therapy, heat therapy, right? Things like this. And I posted a reel on my Instagram a couple weeks ago of me doing cold therapy. And I had so many people comment who said, oh, I could never do that. And the truth is, that's not true. They could do it. They're just choosing not to because it's scary, because they have a fear of being uncomfortable, because they have a fear of being cold. But they can do it. And by doing it, you get better at it. And then you reach the benefit, right? And the benefit I mean, there's obviously metabolic benefits, there's longevity benefits, but there's also this euphoria that happens with cold therapy. So when I get my cold plunge, initially, shock to the system, and I just have to focus on controlling my breathing. And usually for the first 30 to 40 seconds, and this is also established in research, so it's not just me, you're sort of fighting with your brain. You have this urge where like, I need to get out, I need to get out, this is really cold, I can't do this, I can't do this. And that is the hardest part because you have to kind of like control your mind and tell yourself, it's okay. I'm fine. This is good. And then once I get past that 30 to 40 seconds, I actually start to settle. I start to become calm. And then I warm up, which is interesting because you're boosting your metabolism. And I'm creating this little heat bubble or like force field, like just around my body. And then I start to feel euphoric, connected, and spiritual. It's very interesting. I start to feel this connection to God that I don't feel when I do other things. And I struggle with spirituality and that sort of thing. And so I just get this deep connection to source, to God, to earth. And I have this feeling of resiliency because I just did something that I thought was impossible. And so this is something that we need to do in our business. Because with cold therapy, like the risk may feel high in that first 20 to 30 seconds, but the risk is actually very low because I can just get out. I can just get out and I can get in a shower, right? I'm not going to go hypothermic. I'm not going to die. My house is right here. I'm not some caveman out in nature who just fell into a river in the middle of winter in minus 40 weather, right? So when it comes to business, we have to develop a healthy relationship with discomfort 
can't live in that temperature controlled environment. And we have to learn how to manage risk. But the very cool thing about online business is the risk is quite low, right? When we think about brick and mortar business, retail, restaurants, I mean, the risk is very high. You have to invest hundreds of thousands of dollars of capital, right? And so if it doesn't work out, you actually can lose a lot. This isn't true in online business. We still do need to invest, but at most in the beginning, investing about $300 a month, which is really nothing when we compare it to 100,000 just to start a business, right? So we have to get comfortable with risk management and discomfort and the struggle. And this is where people, I think, get really tripped up in business because business is inherently uncomfortable. We have to get uncomfortable. We have to sit into and ease into the discomfort because nothing about it is going to be comfortable. You are putting yourself out there. You're being vulnerable, right? You're learning a new skill. You're coaching people. With online business, it's not like brick and mortar where we can just put up a storefront, put up a sign and people walk in. That's not how it works. People don't just stumble by your social media or your website. You have to actively promote yourself. You have to learn how to sell. You have to learn how to have uncomfortable conversations. You have to learn how to be a leader. You have to learn how to delegate. All of this stuff is really uncomfortable, really uncomfortable. But when you embrace the discomfort, you build resilience. Things that were really scary to me early on in my business don't phase me anymore. Now, does the discomfort and fear go away? I want to be really clear. I want to be really transparent. No, it doesn't. And I think a lot of people are like just waiting for that time where it feels less scary. It doesn't. You just learn how to manage it better. You learn to accept it. There's a lot of things I do in my business where I don't feel any fear at all right now recording this podcast episode. I have no fear. I love this. I love talking. I can just riff on forever. I love chatting. But there are certain things where I feel fear, right? Because it's new. I haven't done it before. Or something's not working like I hoped. Or I'm not making as much money this month. And then I start to stress, right? Like there is fear. There is discomfort. It doesn't go away. I've just built resilience. But resilience can only come from discomfort and learning to sit in the risk. So maybe get out there, do some cold therapy, sit in a cold plunge, get uncomfortable, can't talk, and allow that to transition over into your business. And I'm saying you have to do cold therapy, but I'm just saying, think of running your business as a hermetic stressor, right? That's a good stress. It'll help you build resilience. It'll help you build courage and it'll help you build something that is truly worthwhile, something that truly allows you to live the life you want to live, right? Because continuing to be in your corporate job, continuing to have a regular paycheck, that nine to five, that's the comfort. But comfort isn't always rewarding. Comfort isn't always fulfilling. For some people, it is. And those people, that's great. We need those people. They're the ones who are not going to have a business. They're going to do those other jobs that we need people to do. But if you're listening to this podcast, that's not you. You don't like the status quo. You're over it. You want something more for yourself. And so the things that are worth the most require a little bit of struggle to get there. But know that with every time you step outside your comfort zone, you're building the resilience and you're building trust. Because every time you do something that's uncomfortable and it doesn't kill you, you start to trust yourself a little bit more. I now know I trust myself that I can go sit in a cold plunge for four minutes and I'll be fine. And that really helps me get through that first 20 to 30 seconds or 30 to 40 seconds where I'm like just wanting to get out because I trust myself. 
right? Another way I like to think of this or another good analogy is fitness, right? And so I do a lot of obviously outdoor sports ski touring. If we come back to that example is very energy intensive. It is unlike anything else. If I go out for a two hour ski tour, I'll often burn about 2000 calories just to give that some context. Like it's very like I could do like a 30 minute HIIT workout and burn like 300 calories, maybe 400 calories or CrossFit or something like that, maybe burn up to 500 calories. I literally go do a two hour ski tour and I burn almost 2000 calories. Like it's very energy intensive. And same thing with mountain biking was another thing I do. And the problem is, is I have exercise intolerance. This is something that happened when I had my health issues that started in 2012. I've recently done come out of that, done a lot of healing. It took a long time, but I still have some lingering symptoms and I do have a bit of exercise intolerance and it's way better than it used to be because in the past, like going for a walk was exhausting. But if you're not familiar with exercise intolerance, it just means that like I'm way more tired from exercise than most people and than I used to be. And it just means I have a hard time like improving. Like I don't see a lot of improvements in my endurance. Like I could bike every day all summer and it'll still be kind of just as hard for me and I'll still be just as slow. I don't really get better just slightly. It is getting better. It is something I'm still working on. But what that means is with everything I do, the things I'm passionate about, going on these big ski touring trips or mountain bike trips, it is always a struggle. It is always hard for me. It is never easy. And when I'm doing it, I'm just like exhausted. And I have to say this mantra over and over to myself, like, you are strong, you are badass, you are resilient. You are strong, you are badass, you are resilient. That's literally what I repeat to myself because I have to, because I just want to give up. Like I'm exhausted and I'm always behind. Like I'm never in the front. I'm not far behind. I'm holding my own, but I'm always in the back. Just how it is for me. But I trust myself. I trust myself that I will always do it because I know I will always get there, even if it's incredibly painful. A couple of years ago, I did a three-day mountain bike traverse in Northern British Columbia. It was the trip of a lifetime. It was like the best trip I ever did, but it was big, right? We went, did 80 kilometers in three days. We went over six mountain passes. We were hiking a bike, meaning that I was literally pushing my bike up hills for hours, up mountains. I was carrying my bike on my back. It was intense. It was serious. And... I knew I was going to struggle and I had a lot of fear going into it because I was like, oh man, am I going to be able to do it? But when it came down to it, I trusted myself. I thought, you know what? It's going to be painful. It's going to be hard. I'm going to be pissed off at myself at some points. I'm going to be like, oh, this is the worst, but I'll get there and I'll do it with a smile on my face. And I did. I did it. I was in the back. I was at the end. I was struggling. I was exhausted. I needed like three days to recover, but I did it and I knew I would. And so I feel like I'm maybe jumping around a lot. So hopefully you're following me. But that self-trust is really important. And that's something we need to cultivate. But you're not going to trust yourself in the beginning. Just like you're not going to trust that the cold therapy is not going to kill you the first time you do it. So it's all these little steps that we take in our business to get outside our comfort zone that allows us to, one, build resilience, right? And that resilience builds courage and that courage builds trust. Because when it comes to building a business, the most important mindset that you can cultivate is self-belief, is self-trust, is like, this isn't working right now. I'm not getting the results that I want, but I believe I can. Because if you believe you can, you will continually make the decisions that help you get there, right? And then it will get easier over time. And then all the things that are worthwhile will come, right? Because the worthwhile things don't happen in the comfort zone. They happen in risk, 
and discomfort. So start getting uncomfortable. It's going to be painful. You're going to struggle. It's not going to feel good. But on the other side of discomfort, that's where all the good things are. And you can get there, my friend. So don't give up. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Wealthy Coach Podcast. I hope you found this helpful. If you love this episode, the first thing you can do is take a screenshot on your smartphone, share it to your Instagram stories and tag me at Kendra Perry Inc. and let me know your greatest take home. I love to know how my episodes impact you. And if you have a little bit of extra time, I would love if you could leave me a five-star review on iTunes. Just go to ratethispodcast.com slash wealthy. That's ratethispodcast.com slash wealthy. I would love to hear from you. And thank you so much for tuning in. I always appreciate you taking time out of your day to listen to me blab on about whatever. (laughs) And I will see you next Monday, same time, same place where I help you become wealthy AF.